Last week we started going through Ephesians chapter 2, big, a uh, big momentous occasion for us. We finally got out of Ephesians chapter 1. But we declared this truth, let's go ahead and put it on the screen, where sin makes people dead, Christ makes people alive. Can we say that together? Where sin makes people dead, Christ makes people alive. It's so important that we understand that a supernatural miracle has happened to us as Christians. We, were, we once were dead in our sins, dead in our sins, but now we are alive in Christ. It's much more radical than I ever remember being preached on Sunday mornings as I grew up as a kid in church. I felt like Christianity was kind of just attached to you. It was like a really cool looking fanny pack, right? You just kind of put it on, you know, the highlighter pink and you, you were the same person. You just now had this really cool toolbox of spiritual things that you could use and benefit from. Maybe it was prayer. Maybe it was healings. Maybe it was blessings. Maybe eternal life. Whatever you needed, you could go to this fanny pack of faith and find the right solution. Well, let me tell you this morning, Christ didn't die to give you a fanny pack. He died to give you a new life. A new life. You've been born again. And because of that, you're different. You're not the same. You're a new creation. We read that verse last week, right? Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. It's a new thing. It's a beautiful, wonderful, glorious new thing. I am alive in Christ. You are alive in Christ. And so we're going to build upon that truth this morning. I'm really excited. Today's passage is awesome. I love the Bible. I cannot wait to share it with you today. But before I do, let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we are alive in you. We are alive in you. I, I get that on my own and in my own attempts to righteousness, Lord, I had failed. But with you and by your son, Jesus Christ, dying on that cross, I am now declared righteous in you. And I have a new life in you. We thank you for that today. That is a glorious truth that each one of us can rejoice and celebrate over. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, if you've noticed, I'm a pretty positive guy. I'm a, I'm a happy guy. Happy, happy, happy. If you've ever watched Duck Dynasty. I'm, I'm happy in the Lord. Even my wife might say I'm corny in the Lord at times. I'm a little ridiculous. I have a lot of energy for God, right? I spend a lot of time talking to him, talking about him. And when I do, I talk really fast. And some of you, that just drives you nuts, but I do. You'll see me singing. You'll see me dancing. You'll see me clapping. Just ask my wife. Our house kind of looks like a 24-7 musical all the time. But the problem with me is that that's actually not true. See, I can give you the impression that my life is just real nice and easy. I don't have any problems, don't have any cares. I'm just whistling my way through a zippity-doo-dah kind of day. So what do I do? I, I try to counter that in my sermons, right? You'll hear me give these stories that show that I'm a little bit vulnerable before you. I talk about my issues, my problems, my doubts, my anxieties, my worries, the areas where I just struggle, the areas where I flat out miss the mark. Because I'm just like you. We're all in this boat together, the boat that we call life to give you a couple of examples mary and i did you know mary and i sometimes we stress out about bills we do we stress out about bills wonder how we're going to pay them we've got some medical bills wondering how we're going to pay them do you know we also get exhausted often our jobs beat us up from time to time i've been swamped with meetings lately mary she works 12-hour shifts at her job it's tiring our kids we love our kids but sometimes they don't listen to us sometimes they hurt each other <laughs> Sometimes they hurt us. 
That's frustrating because we want God's best for them. We love our kids. Our house is messy all the time, yet it feels like we are cleaning all the time. It's discouraging. I sprayed the gravel outside our house this week with some ground clear poison on a windy day, wearing shorts without gloves. (laughs) I didn't feel good for like three days. That's depressing. (laughs) And stupid. (laughs) But you know, I didn't feel good, but work was still there. Taking care of the kids was still there. Cleaning the house was still there. You know, getting sick as a kid with your mom. So your mom takes care of you. You don't have to go to school. You get to watch prices right. <laughs> getting sick as an adult is lame. My mom's nowhere to be found. No prices right. You're just sick. And you still have all of those same responsibilities that need to get done. But even when the bills are paid, even when the house is clean and the kids are angels and I'm not sick from poison, <laughs> I'm still not out of the woods yet. Because people around me give me their best attempt to ruin my day. (laughs) I get emails. I get phone calls. I get to have meetings with people that aren't happy with me. And you know, after I read that email or I hang up from that phone call or I leave that meeting, often I feel feel like I just got beat up, like I got punched in the gut. Have you ever felt that way before? You bet. But here's the totally awesome and cool part about being a Christian. I see it in me. I see it in my wife, Mary. I see it in so many of you. Regardless of the circumstances of life, you and I, we have this rich and deep, endless wellspring of life that we can run to in our time of need. We have the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us right now, even as I am speaking to you. And he is always pointing us back to Jesus and reminding us, like Pastor Adam just said, that Jesus loves us and that Jesus is with us and that Jesus is faithful The Holy Spirit is always reminding us that we have these amazing promises that are found in his holy word, found in my everlasting father. Don't you love the Holy Spirit? Don't you love that about the Holy Spirit? That he reminds us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. That if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For nothing is impossible with God. I can cast all my anxiety on him because I know he cares for me. Did you know he actually cares for me? I don't have to be anxious about anything. But in every one of those situations, by my prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I can present my request to God. And that peace of God that people so desperately want, which transcends all my understanding, will guard my heart. It's going to guard my mind in Christ Jesus, that Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. That if I trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding, but acknowledge him in all my ways, submit to him in everything, he's going to make my path straight. Amen. I have God. I have the spirit of truth. I have his word inside of me. And that encourages me. It gives me strength. And do you know what else I have? I have community. I do. I have community. Every night, a man calls me around 8 p.m. so that we can talk about how we lived our lives that day and the night before. We are brutally honest with each other about the details. And we ask each other questions that would not be appropriate for me to repeat here up on the stage. 
But because of that transparency that we have with each other, there is a freedom in my life. There is freedom in how I live without secrets, without that fantasy world that no one knows about. Everything in my life has been brought into the light and the darkness has to flee. And so because the Holy Spirit who leads and directs my life, because of the word of God that is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and because of this community of believers that God has placed in my life, including that man that calls me, including my wife that prays for me, and some of you who encourage me, I can walk around with a smile. I can walk around with a smile. I'm able to love people. I'm able to care for others, knowing that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Even when the circumstances of this life are trying to take me down and make me weak, Christ's strength is made perfect in my weakness. Amen. And I know I'm still growing in my walk with the Lord. I mean, I have a lot to learn, and I got issues. I really do. But I know that the best is yet to come. He who began a good work in me will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. But I also know that I've already been on this path for a while. He's been working on me. Ask my wife. God has done a tremendous work on me and in me over the past eight years. He has radically changed my life. It's been a tremendous journey with the Lord already where he has transformed me by the renewing of my mind. I have been conformed to the image of Christ. He has shown himself to be faithful in my life like that song talked about. Faithful in his discipline over me and in me and faithful in his love in me and over me. I have no reason to question whether he's going to be faithful with my future. And that's just not my story. That's not specifically Dan Bursch's story. That is the same of every one of us in this room who are Christ followers. It's true. Some of you know that's true. As I was talking, as I was sharing about the Holy Spirit, as I was reciting all those scriptures, some of you were like, yes, amen. You bet. I'm with you, Pastor Dan. I'm right there with you. That's what I was thinking. I know what you're talking about, Pastor Dan. Even though my wife left me, I'm still able to find joy in the Lord. Even in the midst of my sorrow about that loved one that passed away, I still put my trust in God. Even though I got fired, even though the unemployment has run out, even though my body is warring against me with chronic illness, even so I rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice I was hanging out with one of you at Starbucks this uh, this week I come in and the first thing you say Dan do you know Philippians 4 4 that's always stressful when someone quizzes you like that and and I'm like no (laughs) and then he said it. he goes well rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice and I'm like amen brother he goes yeah Friday I was let go laid off budget cuts And this is a guy who two weeks ago was in a horrific car accident and then two weeks later gets laid off because of budget cuts. And the first thing he says to his pastor is, Pastor Dan, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I love that. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to walk the faith filled walk. And I know some of you have been getting it from every side. Life has been taken its best shots at you and i'm so proud of you for coming on sunday mornings even when it's 80 degrees outside for coming to your life groups reading your bibles praying to god serving and praying for others i thank god every day for you keep it up you're doing a good job and remember this remember what we talked about last sunday it is by grace you have been saved live your life smack dab in the middle of the ocean of god's grace Live in his grace and you will live that abundant life that Jesus came to this earth to give you. And when the world says that you should be depressed, 
When the world tells you that you should have your head hung low, just moping around, you can instead allow the light of Christ to penetrate and to radiate from your very innermost being, and you can joyfully shine your light before all men. All right, open your Bibles, Ephesians 2. I think that was just a preview. That was for free. So Ephesians 2, remember last week we talked about, well, I talked about how I I want to, I think I want to earn my salvation, right? God, just give me those 10 things that I can do to get to you, even though it is truly foolishness to think we could ever get to God based on our own merits. The reality is me, Dan Bursch, my righteousness outside of Jesus, it stinks. It's like filthy rags. But I receive God's free gift of grace and I am declared Righteous. We read in Ephesians 2 5 that it is by grace you have been saved. We talked about how the equation of life isn't God plus me equals life. No, it's God equals life. God, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace equals life. If you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. Ephesians 2 6 through 10 says this. Let me actually start at verse 4. Let's put it on the screen. But because of his great love for us, God's love, who is rich in mercy, God's mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace, God's grace, you have been saved. And verse 6 God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us. In Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. An incredible passage of scripture. Let's start at verse 6. Verse 6, it reads, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. All right, remember the end of chapter 1. The Apostle Paul was talking about praying that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened or the eyes of our hearts would be opened in order that we would know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us to believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now we're told, Ephesians 2, 6, that we are raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms. That's amazing. Right now, you and I, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I mean, we don't fully comprehend the meaning of that. Okay, so Christ died. Christ died in the power of God, raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand. Okay, I get that because it's Jesus Jesus, like he's awesome, right? He's the son of God. He's, he's Jesus. So he's sitting at God's right hand. I can get that. Cool. But God wants us to know that we are actually now raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms. Whoa. Is that blowing anybody else's mind? Toward the beginning of our walk in Ephesians, we talked uh, about the many spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. We've talked about that almost every Sunday. You want to be encouraged about who you are in Christ, go back to some of those sermons. Listen again. Let those truths just penetrate your heart. Remember how important it is to be in Christ. The overwhelming, undeserved blessings that are found in Christ. Let's go ahead and put Ephesians 1-3 on the screen if we have it. 
It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. But now Paul is taking this wonderful, glorious truth at the beginning of his letter, and like Emeril Lagasse, he's going bam, he's taking it up a notch. Not only are we being blessed in the heavenly realms, which is totally awesome, totally amazing. Verse 6 is stating that we are actually seated together in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's incredible. The power of God on display. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, seated him at God's right hand, has lifted us up from sure destruction and wrath to instead heaven itself. Our citizenship is now in heaven. The world is not our home. We are citizens of heaven, just like Philippians 3.20 tells us. We are now seated with Christ where we can live that abundant, joy-filled life that God has destined us to live. And we can start living it today. Today. Moving on. Verse 7. It concludes verse 6. So God, he raised us up with Christ. He seated us up with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We've seen this theme before, right? The theme of the riches of God's grace. Again, remember chapter 1. Paul told us in accordance to God's race, or God's grace that he has lavished on us in Christ. We have redemption through his blood. We have forgiveness of our sins. We have adoption. We have the mark of the Holy Spirit. We have all these things of Christ. The incomparable riches of God's grace. You and I, we are spiritually rich because God has demonstrated his exceeding and overflowing riches toward us. In Christ Jesus. And I love what he adds at the end of verse 7. Can we put verse 7 up one more time? At the end, do you see? It's expressed in his kindness. In God's kindness. Aren't you happy to know that God's kindness has been shown to us through the person of Jesus Christ? Thank you, Lord. And then it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Paul's now talking a little bit more about that truth that he already mentioned in verse 5. It is by grace you have been saved. But now he's expanding that thought. He's going Emma Lagasse on us one more time, taking it up a notch. He says, How can you be seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, possessing the life of heaven here and now? How can you experience the spiritual blessings that are only found in the person of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you how. It's only by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God. Salvation, being saved, getting saved, rescued, whatever you want to call it. Salvation is God's work. You can't save yourself. You can't rescue yourself. It's all about God and his amazing love for us. But our part is explained by Paul in two words. I love that. Paul uses all these words to talk about God, all these words to talk about Jesus. And he gives you and I two words. Two words. Let's put it up there. For it is by grace you have been saved. Here it is. Through faith. Through faith. Faith. Turning to God. Repenting of our ways. Receiving what God has to offer and what does God have to offer? Romans 6:23, he offers us eternal life through his son Jesus Christ. And Paul really wants to make this point that it's about God and his grace compared to it being about you. He doesn't leave it alone, does he? He he presses the issue. He says, "Yeah, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast." 
I love that scripture. Because sometimes even the most brilliant minds, when they're reading the letters of Paul, they can't figure Paul out. But this is obvious, right? He's crystal clear on this one. Paul is telling you, he's telling me, it's not about you, it's all about God. See, we can't do anything on our own to earn salvation. It is a gift from God. A gift from God. By the way, it ceases to be a gift the minute that we try to pay for it through our little religious works and our morality, doing more good than we do bad. You can't work for a gift. You can't buy a gift. You can't earn a gift. A gift is only a gift as long as it is received. So we receive this gift of grace. Amen? All right, again, do you see the equation of life? It's not God plus me equals life. It's God equals life. If you have God and his gift of grace, you have life. Charles Brown writes this. He says, let a man be abandoned by God and he is absolutely useless. It is the voice of God that arouses. It is the voice of God that awakens, that causes a man to think and inquire. It is the power of God that gives strength to act. And it is the same power which makes provision for the need of the new life. Everything we have is because of God. Everything we are is because of God. We are completely dependent upon his grace for our life. And in Christendom, these verses, verses 8 and 9, they really have been preached on a lot, sung about, memorized. Probably about more than just about any other scripture other than maybe John 3, 16. And that's because these scriptures are so important. They are important to understand our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Put, put those up on the screen. Do you see? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Huh. See, as human beings... I feel like we are continually tempted, continually tempted to deceive ourselves that our life is all about what we have done, our accomplishments, instead of all about God and what God has done. See, regardless of what religion you follow, man lets our boastfulness and our pride creep in. And we say, God, look what I have done. Look at me now. You must really Love me. But it's not about us. It's about Jesus. On your own, the Bible tells you that you have fallen short of the glory of God, that we all have sinned, every one of us, and because of the consequences of sin, we have been excluded from a relationship with God. None of us could restore that relationship with God. We needed His grace demonstrated through the person of Jesus Christ. And because of our desperate need for a Savior, guess what? No one in this room can boast. There is no room for boasting. It's all about God and His grace. Which, by the way, is kind of tough, right? Because you and I, we're a prideful people. We are in the American church, including ours. We love to talk about all the great things we're doing for Jesus and how we're in the favor of God and we got the blessings of God because we did this or we did that. We love what we do. We are prideful in our works. But Paul is making it clear the only right attitude before our maker and our judge is humble gratitude, thankfulness, and a joy for the great gift of grace that he has shown to us. And I'd say this about pride. There is one place for your pride. You want to be prideful? Here you go. Channel your pride into this. Every one of us in this room can find our pride in the cross where we find our salvation and find our pride and boast in Jesus Christ, our Savior, who suffered on that cross to glorify the Father and to give us eternal life. 
And then verse 10, this is the last verse for today. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You might have heard it said, we are God's workmanship. The Greek noun here is poema. The only other place you're going to find it in the New Testament is Romans 120, where it talks about God's first creation of the world. We are God's creation. Where's handiwork? Did you know that? His handiwork in Christ, the divine act of creation. We're a new creation in Christ. Where our lives were once marked by sin, ruined by failure, we are now made new in Christ. And we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. As a people who have been saved by grace, guess what? We have work to do. We don't work to try to earn our salvation, no. But once we are saved... Watch out, watch out, because a saved person that understands their identity in Christ, that understands their freedom in Christ, and understands all those spiritual blessings that are found in Christ, that person also understands that God has things for them to do. And that person is going to be used mightily by God for his purposes. I love verse 10, by the way, because it shows that God has decided to put all of us in the game. Right? He has called us to accomplish things for his kingdom, to share the love of Christ with our community. It could have been where the minute you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whoop, you went up to heaven. God could have decided to do it that way. I'm sure there's times when we all wish it was that way. But no, yes, we're, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Yes, we're now citizens of heaven. This world is not our home. But God has a plan for our lives here on this earth. He wants us to reach the lost, to save the world, to reveal his love to the world through us. And so instead of our good works just being an attempt to earn our salvation, you know, get to heaven. Our good works are an overflow of the thankfulness and the gratitude for a life that has been rescued, that has been saved by the grace of God. A life that is a new creation in Jesus. This is good news. This is good news. But this is kind of where the whole message falls flat. I mean, it's been good up to this point. It's kind of encouraging. But the balloon gets popped. See, everything I've said over the past couple of months about being in Christ... At some level, if you're here sitting today and you're a Christian, you believe it, right? That in Christ there's these spiritual blessings. You kind of get that. Kind of. Some of you more than others, depending on where you are on your faith journey. But the fact that you are chosen in Christ, elected, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, justified, all these things, these blessings that are found in Christ, we kind of get it. But this idea of being God's handiwork. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This idea of you actually being of value and used to do something of value or good is beyond what some of you could ever think or imagine. We get that we are in Christ, but we walk around in Christ as though we were scum in Christ, that we were worthless in Christ, that we are a piece of junk in Christ. Just a sinner in Christ. Just a sinner in Christ. And then we throw on saved by grace, right? It sounds more spiritual and religious if we say just a sinner saved by grace. But just a sinner. I remember talking to a man. I went to my old church. Really tall, handsome, athletic guy. Beautiful wife, beautiful kids. Owned his own business. And God was really speaking to him. He had a wild past. But God was allowing him to just... 
he, or he was allowing God to just do a really good work in him. He was being transformed by the renewing of his mind. He was reading his Bible, attending church, asking just some really good questions about Jesus. But I'll always remember this one time. We were hanging out at his son's football game. And I was telling him, you have gifts and talents that we need in the kingdom of God. Gifts and talents that are desperately needed in the kingdom of God. God has things for you to do. And he said, Pastor Dan, you don't want me. You don't know what I've done. You wouldn't want somebody like me with the past that I have talking to anybody about Jesus. I said, try me. And so he told me a little bit. It was pretty intense stuff, nothing illegal. But I got to be honest, it had a shock value to it. But then, you know, I got a life too. So I shared some things that were kind of saucy and kind of spicy and it had a shock value to them as well. But, you know, I was never able to convince him to step up in serving in the church. Because to him, he was just a sinner, saved by grace. But just a sinner, useless really in the kingdom of God. That's how he felt. He felt like complete garbage. Let me tell you right now, if you have faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is nothing worthless about you. If that's how you feel, then you've missed the point of all the spiritual blessings that you have in Christ. And I've failed you as a pastor. You once were dead in your sins. That is the truth. But now you're alive in Christ. That line, just a sinner saved by grace. You know where that comes from? It comes from Romans 3.23, which is a really good verse. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's true. And we've all memorized that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Just a sinner. Pastor Dan, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Pastor Dan, I'm just a sinner. But look, it's not a period. It's a comma. Praise the Lord for the comma. Read it together after the comma. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. At LifeSpring, we actually talk about those words a lot, about redemption and justification. Jesus bought you back from sin. You've been redeemed and justified, declared righteous in the eyes of God. Not because of anything you've done or not done, but because of you're declared righteous solely on the basis of your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Justification, we talked about it before, but justification is more than just forgiveness or the pardon of sins. Justification is the removal of guilt and condemnation along with the forgiveness or pardon of sins. It adds to us the declaration that we are righteous as though we had never sinned. When God justifies the sinner, all evidence of his sin and guilt is completely wiped out. Hebrews 10, 16, 17. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Listen up. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Romans 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we can boast in the hope of the glory of God. Does that sound like a Christian is just a sinner? 
No, we are declared a saint, declared righteous, a citizen of heaven, having fellowship with God, seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms, holy and blameless, all because of our faith in Jesus, receiving that free gift of grace from God. Is it coming together for you? I hope it is. Christian, you couldn't earn your salvation when you were dead in your sins. You've got to stop trying to earn your value and worth now that you're free from your sins. Now that you're walking with God, now you are his son and daughter. Guess what? It's still all about him. It's still all about God and his love, his mercy, and his grace. Yes, I get it. You did some bad things. In fact, you probably did some terrible things. But Jesus is not condemning you. You're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're justified, and you've been set free. Don't wait until you're perfect, whatever perfect means. Don't wait until you've got it all figured out and all your warts have been removed before you start doing a good work that Jesus has prepared in advance for you to do. Do work, son, today, not tomorrow, today. And I promise you, if you start seeing yourself as a saint, a citizen of heaven, instead of just a sinner saved by grace, if you see yourself hid in Christ, holy and blameless because Jesus is holy and blameless. God will begin to work on all those areas that you've never let him work on before. Because see, when you're a sinner, pay attention. When you're just a sinner, it's pretty easy to sin, isn't it? Because that's what sinners are going to do. Sinners going to sin. But when you're a saint, a righteous one of God which is who you are, we allow God to shine his light into the darkness. We open our lives to his transforming power. We are open to the move of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our life, even in the really dark, secret, scary parts, because we understand that we are a new creation. We've been born again where sin had made us dead. Christ has made us alive. And we say to God, I am alive and you have your way, not my will, but your will be done. Here I am. Send me. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do. And I want to show a really important video. Please stay engaged in what God wants to declare over you today. I'm going to show the video. It's, it's about seven, eight minutes long. And after I'm done, I'm going to come up and we're going to pray. But please just stay engaged in what God is speaking today. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know, I mean... Maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. 
Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um... Compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away, because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just, um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is, you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um... It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now, this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. 
I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years. These empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them, and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not my uh, ways. I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah. But you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay chisel away just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there because I know who's inside there because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see because deep inside there this 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 little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult and I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach your back pocket. What? Reach your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? 
even though you and I both know I messed up so many times. Did I hear you say, you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me, then use me. Then, God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you, too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison. But look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you say yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life... The way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. bow your heads with me as we pray. Lord God, there's just so much to, um, to process from today. Any given Sunday, Lord, when we walk into this room, the hundred people or so that come in, we all come in with just a mixed bag of, of emotions, of, of fears, of worries, of failures, of guilt, condemnation, struggles, addictions. We all come in, Lord, with this list that we hold on to so tightly, this list of all the reasons why we could never be used by you, God, the list of reasons why we could never be a part of your plans and purposes for the advancement of your kingdom on this earth. this moment, Lord, I, I just pray that we could take those lists and realize that every one of those lists were nailed on the cross when your son died for our sins. That you didn't just forgive us of our sins, you took them away. And if we are Christ followers today, there is no list. 
There is no list. There is no whiteboard that every time that we sin, we have to take a eraser and erase it. There is no chalkboard. There is no whiteboard. The record of our wrongs is no longer. The sins that we've committed, the sins we are committing, and the sins that we will commit have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And yet here we sit this morning, Lord, and that truth is resounding in a weak signal, I believe. That that truth is having a hard time making its way to the doors of our church. And I pray right now, with your spirit with us right now, that we would surrender to that truth. That we'd lay down all of our fighting, lay down all of our striving, lay down all of that junk, which is, I have these ten things that I want to do to try to find my worth in you, God. That we would lay down all of that and instead swim in your ocean of grace. And say it is by grace that I have been saved. Yes, all sinned and all fell short of the glory of God. But today I am justified. 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 Declared righteous. Declared righteous. Because of that free gift of grace that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, we receive once again that free gift of grace. We receive it. We say we're, we're stopping from this whole war that we've been on, this, this fight that we've been fighting. We're stopping today, Lord. We're, we're surrendering, saying it's not about me. It's not God plus me equals life. It's God equals life. It's you, God. It's your love. It's your mercy. It's your grace. It's you, Jesus Christ. You are life. And if anyone today just needs to make a, just an agreement with me, with all heads bowed, if you just need someone else to agree with you that you are going to lay those things down today and nail that list to the cross, just look up at me and I will come into agreement with me. Just go ahead and look right now. You bet. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yep. Amen. Somebody else? Yep. You bet, buddy. Anybody else? Yep. Some more of you. Yep. Yep. Amen. See you in the back, brother. Lord, you see this room. You see how many of us have just had a battle on the inside. A war has been raging on our insides, Lord. We have struggled with the idea of having peace with you, God. We are anxious. We are worried. But I pray right now, Lord, by by your Holy Spirit. That the peace of God would just flood this room. That the freedom that is found in Christ Jesus would flood this room. That our anxieties and our worries that we have, we would be able to cast them upon you. Upon a God who actually cares about our worries and our anxieties. Jesus Christ. That we would trust in you again. For I know that my God is faithful. For I know that my God is faithful for I know my God is faithful you don't make junk we are your original masterpiece anything else is a lie thank you Lord in your name we pray amen